Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, European Rate Strategist, and I'm joined today by our Global Market Specialists, Giles Gale and Theo Chapsalis. Before getting into today's discussion, I'd just like to remind you to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Okay, Theo, let's start with the UK. I was very excited last week to say that we were going to have a week where we didn't talk about the Bank of England, uh, but they're back in focus this week with Governor Bailey on the wires again. Uh, What's he been saying and what's your take on all of that? So Governor Bailey, who has been termed to be the unreliable boyfriend number two, um, was again uh, back in the wires, as you say. Uh, the, The topic is really the the path of hikes and whether a December hike is likely. Now, Governor Bailey made the point that in his decision in November, it was a close call between voting for a hike and not. So right now, this week, we did get some data points. We did get, you know, very strong uh, inflation numbers. Uh, We did get very strong employment numbers. And specifically, the latter, the employment numbers are very relevant for the BOE. So the reason why... uh, Governor Bailey was and the BOE, they were hesitant to pull the trigger and deliver hikes at the November meeting is really because of the state of the labor market and the high option value of waiting. So there will be also one additional data point before the December MPC meeting. But so far, it seems that a post furlough process and progress in the labor market is satisfactory um, for the BOE. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, this week we've had strong labour market data. We obviously had a strong beat to expectations on the inflation front as well. Um, Our official house call is for no hike in December. Is this strong data and what Governor Bailey is saying kind of tipping the balance for you in favour of perhaps getting a hike in December? Definitely. And as things stand, I mean, the market uh, almost fully prices in the hike in December there may be still, from a risk-reward point of view, uh, a good case to to try to fade it. But from a probabilistic point of view, and if one asks me, do you think that is now a hike more likely than, say, at the beginning of this week? I mean, uh, a, a December hike, I would say definitely yes. Now, this makes us also think about it, and we think that actually a December hike uh, looks a lot more likely. Because as you've said, there are specific data points. If the data points are right, um, and inflation is is also pushing the BOE to be on the hawker side, then you know earlier hikes are likely to come in the market. What about on the guilt front? Then does this kind of change how you're thinking about guilt? I guess specifically on the cross market because that's been a, a key view of yours for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think uh, to be fair, and it's, it's, it's actually a bit more than a couple of weeks. Is about a month is one of my favorite views, uh, the cross market view. Uh, this is something that I still think has got merit. Now, clearly, we understand that the BOE there will have to be, uh, and there will likely be more hawkish. But then we talk about a curve which inherently is going to be flat. So rate rises happening sooner. We talk about a terminal rate which probably will not have to be much higher than the previous high. So we'll talk about terminal rate, which will be around 1%. 10-year yields at around 1%. Is that fair uh, 
for me, it is fair. So when I think about global markets and, and, and the outlook, we do have a significant degree of hawkishness in the price at the front end of the UK market, um, which is, you know, uh, which means that pricing additional hawkishness and additional weakness, even at low maturities, becomes more difficult. So to me, as things stand, uh, I still like gilts as an asset class. I think that relative to other markets, this is the asset class uh, one should hold. But then again, we may see higher yields, um, you know, everywhere with UK yields having a smaller propensity to rise. So you may see a so-called outperformance in the sense of be the asset class that loses less than other uh, fixed income assets. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, Theo. All right, over to Europe then, Giles. I've got um, a couple of questions this week, which are probably a bit more micro than we usually focus on in Bondcast, but I think it's really been the theme. It's kind of been dominating our discussions internally and with clients this week, so probably right to touch on it. And we did touch on it a bit last week, but obviously the move in swap spreads over the last, um, well, it's been going on for a while, but particularly over the last five days as they continue to reach new highs has, has been bothering markets. What, what's your take on, on what's driving all of this? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, that we've had you know, all this strong data out of the US and the UK and we end up talking about uh, swap spreads because nothing else really is actually moving in, uh, in in Europe. You know, listen, I think there are two strands to this. One is the collateral side. This is this idea that cash is king, for want of a better word, in, in Europe again. <clears throat> you know, the, the idea here, I mean, you know, maybe wasn't obvious but you know we're coming up to the year end there's always a strong bid for for cash you know basically a safe place a low duration place to to just squirrel away your money stand stand keep things tight and hopefully um just look for good opportunities for for next year i suppose so this is something that we often see at the end of uh, of the year i think that a combination of high macro volatility, uh, uncertainty, and a difficult year for many kinds of investors <clears throat> just means that the overall you know, demand to really just park money in you know, low duration assets is, uh, is stronger than usual. And so we're seeing that manifest itself in, in lots of ways, you know, bill, uh, you know, T-bill, for example, for, uh, for uh, European government. Um, you know, a, a, a whole array of you know, cash assets in, uh, in front end, including government bonds. So <clears throat> that's one part of it, but that really doesn't explain the whole of it at all. There's clearly excess paying in, in swaps as well. And you know, there are a few theories around, there are some stories around um, Potential positioning difficulty uh, associated with um, you know, positions that people have been running over the year, which are still unresolved. Uh, now that may or may not be true, uh, but it certainly feels like it. I mean, you just look at the um, the volatility in these spreads. We've been pushed a long way away from fair value. Uh, you know, we, this is something that we model, um, and historically our models are pretty successful. We're a long way away from those um another 
theory maybe is that there's just a, it's part of a setup for, for next year or perhaps even for there's a TLTRO operation in the middle of, um, of December that banks might be thinking about um, you know, what they're going to do with money that they're expecting to get um, from that if they're thinking about buying assets in the short term maybe they're rate locking in a sense so they're all, you know, um, that early by by paying uh, paying in swaps who knows um, you know, I, I don't have strong feedback to suggest it, but well, yeah, it's a theory that fits. Just for anyone listening who's not as au fait with the acronyms as we are, TLTRO is the ECB's targeted long-term refinancing operations, which is their sort of cheap lending as, as part of their pandemic measures. Speaking of the ECB, they um, announced some changes to their cash collateral this week, Um was that designed to kind of ease some of this pressure at the front end and, and has that helped? Well, yes, I mean, I think it clearly was designed to alleviate in, in some small measure um, stresses or you know, the anticipation of uh, maybe they're trying to preempt uh, anticipated stresses in, in cash markets. But it's quite a limited Tool. I mean, it's it's really quite restrictive in, in what it does. Um, you know, it's quite short term. There are you know, there are position limits and so on. So and, and it hasn't really been um, well. I mean, since it in the couple of days since it was announced, it hasn't really made any any difference. And in fact, gas swaps have, have widened since again. So you know, it may it, it may provide something of a flaw and a soft flaw, if you like. Um, you know, particularly you know, at, at moments like around the year end, where you often you know, markets often become you know, that characterized by gapping. So you know, one transaction happens at one level, and then there's a big gap, and there's another transaction um, at a significantly different level. So you know, it may it may serve to alleviate that a little bit. So. <clears throat> We've only got small alleviation of pressures from the ECB and you talked about one of the drivers of, of the move being just partly due to the fact that, you know, the time of year and the fact that we're close to year end. Does that mean that you see these pressures kind of continuing into year end and perhaps only easing up once we get into 2022? Or um, do you think that, that swap spreads could reverse some of the moves sooner than that? I think probably the answer is, well, I, I, the answer is, I certainly wouldn't expect to see um, asset swap levels persisting at these sorts of wide levels into far into into next year. Um, I'd actually be relatively surprised to see them persisting well into into December. Now, one of the problems is that the kinds of you know, the, to, to to correct this, I suppose you need you know, investors to to take a view on value and carry. And these are difficult things um, in this period of low liquidity, high macro uncertainty. And in particular, the year-end period for funding assets is, is, is a really complex uh, and uncertain period. And you know, just taking that risk in any meaningful way probably is something that investors aren't going to want to do. So I would say that the chances are that we will see um, let this persist to some extent um, into uh, into Christmas and uh, the year end. 
All right. Thanks, Giles, and, and thank you, Theo, too. Um, and just a reminder before we close out this episode to our listeners that if they did like today's episode, uh, to please hit the like button and don't forget to subscribe so you can get our latest episodes as soon as they're available. And as ever, if you have any questions for our Bondcasters, please email us either individually if you have our contact details or at bondcast at See you next week.